And we are live here on the Mock Monday Live Dynasty Digest Show. I got Andrew Cooper here with us, the man. Go on Fantasy Alarm. You can see in the comments he's doing all things free agency. He's got the tracker going. Before we get started, I'm just going to roll the intro on it. He has the hearts of a lot of fantasy players. I like it a lot, honestly. I'm like, I'm, I'm in for death taxes and the 2022 wide receiver class. I like what you were saying, Skylar. No, no player is completely untouchable. I think you guys really, I had not, I have not really heard this yet. I listen to a lot of pods and I have not heard this yet. Well done, gentlemen. I'm really impressed. All right, guys. Welcome back. Coop, how you doing? Dude, out of control today. Out of control, right? All the free agent news, it doesn't get better than this, man. It doesn't get better. It's pretty crazy. I was told from you from our last uh, our last recording that when I get you in a live here, I just got to say, all right, Coop, go. Yeah, we're good, man. We're good to rock and roll. I mean, dude, I've, I've been writing. Got for me. <laughs> yeah, that's what they did on that, uh, that local radio show, dude. What do you got? Hit me with the news, bro. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's good, man. I've I've. Last 30 days, I've written an article every single day on a different team. So go on fantasyalarm.com to the NFL section, and you'll see 32 articles from me, one on every team, and I'm running the free agent tracker. So we're locked in, baby. We're locked and ready to rock, and I'm ready to uh, to keep one eye on this mock draft, one eye on free agency, so we don't miss a damn thing out here. Sound good? Heck yeah. I'm ready to roll. Uh, got a, we got this startup mock draft as always kind of going in the background we might be a little less plugged into it today i just want you to get started with uh what's your surprise move thus far we're well into free agency there's been a few big signs especially on the defensive end what's been the biggest surprise for you thus far yeah man i cannot believe that i like i we knew that javon hargrave probably wasn't going back to the eagles and tj edwards probably wasn't going back to the eagles but i cannot believe that san francisco was able to swoop in and grab javon hargrave what is that dude like that defense is going to be so rowdy now right like i mean it already was it already was dude right like the thing is like Interior pass rush all of a sudden is a lot more valuable than it used to be. Like guys like obviously um uh I'm blanking from the Rams, uh the best. Yeah, right? like Donald. uh Donald, yeah. Aaron Donald, like he changed the game on interior pass rush and now it's like super valuable. And this team comes out of nowhere, they're like, We already have the edge rushers, but we want that too. So now it's just gonna be kind of impossible to stop that rush, man. And speaking of an impossible rush to start. Classic super flex startup here in this draft, huh? Just all oh, yeah. quarterbacks. I mean, this is this is this is the way it should be. Uh, well, well, this is where we usually start to see some variance. Jefferson probably fly off the board at this yeah. spot. Um, yeah, I guess we can start with Philadelphia. Uh, the hangover is it might be real. I mean, we knew that they were in a really difficult cap situation where they kind of pushed all in on this season, and they had a lot of players come to resign. We knew they couldn't bring back all of them, but. As you mentioned, losing a couple of those guys, TJ Edwards, like it, it might it might keep growing. It's nice Jason Kelsey's coming back, um, but it's, it's a tough day as an Eagles fan. It hurts right now for them, yeah, because you have you know, um, I mean TJ Edwards. People don't realize that he played the third most snaps of any player on that defense. It was Marcus Epps, you know, he's basically playing every snap snap because he's a safety. James Bradbury at corner. Darius Slay was fourth, but TJ Edwards played 94% of those snaps. That's a huge player to replace, man. So it's tough. You know, a lot of plays. I mean, our IDP guys in here know all about TJ Edwards. Yeah. Very yeah. valuable player the last couple seasons. 
Yeah. Hundred tackle guy, right? Like animal. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be tough to replace. The Eagles definitely so far are a big loser, but we knew um, what was going to happen with that. There, there has been a little silver lining for the Eagles fans in that uh, they brought back some of the loyal guys, guys that we thought it could fall completely apart if like Jason Kelsey decided to hang it up. He didn't. He's coming back. And then Brandon Graham, long time. I think he's like 34 years old, but still. Those loyal guys coming back saying, "Hey, I'll play for one, one year. year, one year deal, six million. I mean, right? Yeah, why not? Right? Come back. So that's nice, man. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, the the other part I love about today, and like a lot of analysts aren't willing to admit it, but there are there are just a, you can't know every single player in the league at all times. So today is such a good. It's just a good measuring stick for who's who, right? Because a lot of guys, you know, they don't even get second deals. They're just done. But then you see these guys getting second deals you'd never heard of. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, let me check this guy out. See what he's got going on. Why are they giving this guy $30 million? So uh, today is, is a fun day. And, it, and again, if you pop into the, the tracker on Fantasy Alarm, I do a little write-up in there on who the person is, what they're getting, so that you get a an idea of, of what you're getting here, you know? Yeah, it's fantastic. Honestly, Coop's work is great. If you want to break down to every single NFL team, too, and what they were like going into free agency, uh, go on Fantasy Alarm, check out Coop, because he did one for all 32 every teams, a really good tool. Team. Then, you know, I tried to plug it on the digest when you hear last time, but the best part about it is it just gives context for a lot of the supplemental pieces, the side players, and you know, what opportunity might come up for some of these guys that aren't the obvious names, because we know all the main free agents, but when guys are leaving, there's a job to be taken. And a lot of times for fantasy, it's we can get an edge up on your league mates. Exactly. And I, even I'm a Patriots fan. I don't, you know, you're a Bills fan. We don't know intricately every single player on the team at times and every player coming in. So even I go around, I say, who's this guy? Let me check him out. I'm doing that for everybody on our page. If I don't know who it is, I go in and figure out a little bit about him, put him on there. Uh, I did want to make a comment on this draft going off here real quick. Uh, the Jamar Chase over Justin Jefferson pick, I don't know if you're a fan of that, but I actually love that. I think it's close enough that I have Jamar Chase slightly, ever so slightly ahead of Justin Jefferson in that top tier just because we know that Jamar Chase is a first-round pick and he has that fifth-year option. We know Joe Burrow is getting an extension, and we know that he's going to set it up to keep his weapons. We know that Chase is tied to Burrow forever, whereas with Justin Jefferson, the whole Kirk Cousins thing, he's getting up there in age. We don't know who the next quarterback is going to be. We don't know how it's going to shake out a year or two from now. That little bit is enough for me to put Chase just ahead, so I don't mind that pick at all. Again, if somebody wants to take Justin Jefferson first, I sit here and I say, good pick. Right. Like it doesn't. Yeah, those, I mean, the two are interchangeable, really, if you were right. ever in discussions, whichever one is quote cheaper. I mean, we're talking as, you know, top of the line player here. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, with Kirk Cousins. I mean, there was talks, what, two or three days ago that they were looking towards an extension, but they they weren't really on the same page as far as what that looked like. I'm sure right. Kirk is going to be trying to go for another multi-year, fully guaranteed type three-year type thing uh so that's definitely one to keep your eye on and i completely agree with you um you can justify jamar chase over justin jefferson i just with justin jefferson there's there's never been drama the production has always been top tier that's still why you know i love i love the player with jamar chase we've got what our third off season in a row where his baby mom is coming out and scaring people on twitter uh <laughs> but classic all right so i, I do want to talk I want to bring it up when Justin Fields went off the clock here because Chicago's been freaking busy. Um, they might be trying to go from worst to best in a season. 
What are your first thoughts here, Coop, on Chicago's offseason? Because they they stole my boy Edmonds. They brought in uh what was it? It was they brought in Edwards from Philly. They've made a couple other movies. They brought a guard in, gone good money. They're crushing, man. They're crushing their hall. Yeah. Ryan Poles is putting it all on the line here, right? Like he they brought him in as a former player, relatively young guy. I was a little concerned about Poles when he first came in. I didn't like how they didn't get back a compensatory pick for Allen Robinson. They signed guys like Byron Pringle and Mohamed al Quadin, who's not even with the team, right? So, like, I, I didn't like that. But what he's doing right now, I and obviously the Chase Claypool trade has gotten a lot of heat. Even though I like Chase Claypool, like, still I look at it and I'm like, that's probably a little too much, right? So, um, but I, I love what they're doing this offseason. Right now, they're looking like the big winner so far, especially – uh, the fact that they were able to beef up that line as well. And I know your Bills, man, it's almost like at linebacker, you guys had to decide if you want to keep the run stuffing guy or the coverage linebacker, right? And they ended up keeping Matt Milano, who he Matt Milano is a guy that I personally dislike because for two reasons. Here's why. Because I'm a Patriots fan and he's awesome. Okay. And because I'm a tight end fan and he's awesome at covering tight ends. So oh, yeah. that's yeah. So it's not a it's not a personal dislike. It's that he is kind of the devil for everything that I love. You know what I mean? Like nothing worse than this guy that comes and just shuts down tight ends the way he does. So he's a good player, but uh, he he's bad for my business, which is the tight oh, yeah. end business. I you mean, know? he was it was what, two or three seasons ago where they had a stretch where it's like when he played they were undefeated. It was like Poyer last year. Like yes. when he played they were undefeated. He's one of those important players and. I feel like you saw that when they prioritized him at free agency. It's a shorter deal. It's probably a little cheaper than going with Tremaine Edmonds. If anything, maybe it puts a little bit more of a microscope on their win window. Uh, I'll be very curious to see what Buffalo does for linebackers. The rest of the division, Miami, the Jets, obviously looking to get stronger. Uh, another team I want to talk about here, maybe you could. What's Cincinnati plan to do with that secondary? Because with, with Bates going out, they might need some second, some safety help. Dude, so second biggest loser, in my opinion, and I'm not sure if you saw, but this was just announced as well. Not just Bates, Vaughn Bell got signed away by the Carolina Panthers as well. Those two players were number one and two in defensive snaps for that team. Both players played 98% of the snaps for the Bengals last year, and they are both gone to the NFC South. So it is going to look quite a bit different around Cincinnati next year, man. Uh, and that's how it goes when you got a guy like Joe Burrow that has to be paid. You, these decisions are all part of that. I know he taught, you know, he's talked about it a little bit. Jamar Chase has said it on his behalf, but he wants to keep his weapons there. But you can't keep everybody and also pay a super mega star quarterback. So this is how it goes down, right? Yeah, decisions have to get made. We've, I mean, we've seen that with Buffalo as well. Uh, where they're on that you know second year in here with Josh Allen, he got the extension, and it makes it makes sour cap really really difficult. Um, the Texans, they just what you were saying, what the Bears did last year, bringing guys like Pringle. The Texans seem to be on that same plan, which is what they seem to be doing last offseason, just collecting dust. Um, mm -hmm. what, what are your what are your thoughts on Houston? And does it make sense for them to just kind of stall the progression of this team until they have quarterback kind of figured out or? So that was what I figured they would do. Like I, I thought people are saying, oh, Damian Pierce is going to get vaporized this year. I think if that's going to happen, it should be next year. Like it seems crazy to me for them to go out and uh, load up this year and bring in a short shelf life 
position like a new high end running back and go for these luxury positions. I think I think you're I'm with you that I think they should kind of hang tight, but then they go out and sign Robert Woods, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me if that's your plan. Right. Yeah. So very strange behavior, uh, in my opinion. I I think we have a good idea that CJ Stroud's gonna go first and then you get uh, you know, Bryce Young probably second to them to potentially play with John Mechie if he's ready to go. I know we we don't know where he's at with his leukemia treatment, but that would be pretty cool. Robert Woods just seems like a very odd signing at this stage of the game. I know he's a good run-blocking wide receiver still, obviously, but I don't know. It, it seems like an odd deal at 30 years old. To Now they're going to have two 30-year-old wide receivers? I don't know. Pretty weird. Yeah, I mean, it does make you think where Mechie is at in their progression. If they're just grabbing insurance, maybe some vets to kind of help him ease in we still don't know the status of brandon cooks and where he stands with the team uh, i'll touch on two attack of iloa going here this was a couple days ago before this but he miami did pick up his fifth year option uh does that give you confidence into a long term for dynasty i know here in super flex drafts you might be looking at him at three as a value now or what are your thoughts on Tua? absolutely and i think that the mike white signing today solidifies that like my if you're gonna bring in somebody to be your starting quarterback you don't pay mike white six million dollars a year right you got, you know, 12, two years, 12 mil. He's, he's a quintessential backup. And I think that they basically said, Hey, we're comfortable starting Mike white to start the year, but the, you know, two is our quarterback. So uh, you got to feel good about him and you got to feel good about the value you're getting in this particular draft. Absolutely would have taken him there for your build. You know, you went Watson Kyler, but, uh, and you, you know, great pick with CMC there, but you know, uh, two would have been good value for you if you went somewhere else in the second round, you know? For sure, yeah, I, I definitely probably would have been looking. That's if I would have gone if Garrett Wilson was there, right. uh, three hundred one. I don't know, two hundred one. If Bijan was there, I might have considered just taking one of Watson or Murray. This on JWB all offseason, we've just been kind of hammering Watson and Murray. This has just been kind of the yeah. theme. These are two players where insider community they don't usually leave the first. The first that goes usually two hundred three. But in a lot of drafts this offseason, we've been seeing routinely Murray and Watson be going mid second, late second. Kyler just keeps going further back and back. And we got we got to remember the long-term game here. When Kyler Murray is healthy, we, he gives us top five quarterback type stretches uh, since he's been pretty much in the league. So uh, don't wouldn't be too worried on Kyler Murray there, even though he's set to miss an extended period of time going into next season. Let's bring up... I mean, there's value to be had. The thing is, anytime there's negative sentiment like that, that's almost entirely enti- tied to off-field stuff. There's value to be had there. I mean, like we can talk about that. Like it's not fun to talk about the stuff that's going on with Deshaun Watson, but we can talk about the fact that he has a negative stigma to him and it brings his value down when he's been nothing but a top five quarterback pretty much his whole career, barring the very short stint he had coming back last year. And Kyler Murray, again, a guy that could easily run for a thousand yards. He could uh he there's no reason he can't be as good as guys like Jalen Hurts or I mean Justin Fields going ahead of him when he was dead last in passing last season. You know what I mean? So um, I absolutely see a future where the, where that that comes around. Uh, the question I have for you is with with the, the build that you're going for here, Kyler Murray probably not going to be ready to start next year. Uh, and they're probably doing a bit of a bridge year based on, you know, trading DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you know, J.J. Watt retiring. Every their you know, bottom three team in Super Bowl odds. I think they're actually bottom two. Uh, so – Stat, you're going with Murray, but then you're also going with McCaffrey. How are you? How, what's your plan to balance competing now because you have McCaffrey with waiting on Kyler Murray? Do you do you, do you prioritize the third quarterback or, or what's what's the move? 
Yeah. So all offseason, a theme we've we've had is just the value you get on some of these safe quarterbacks rounds seven through nine, where the Geno Smiths of the world, the Jared Goffs right. of the world are very, very affordable. Uh, a player I do want to bring up, Jimmy Garoppolo, is a guy who usually is there around round 10, who could be a nice little fill for the short term. Uh, with Christian McCaffrey, I was just planning to go like Garrett Wilson and maybe year one might not be the most competitive, but with Christian McCaffrey coming, it was just the best player available type pick. That's why I just punched him in there in the third round. I think if CMC Jonathan Taylor gets around three, you just auto select those players uh, and we'll figure the rest out later. I do always with the three to run reversal. I really like the wide receivers that come around that four or five turn. So I'm not as nervous missing out on a wide receiver at three, because I think you're reaching not necessarily reaching, but you're taking your favorite and was a very big tier in that second group of wide receivers. And, where I can lock in Christian McCaffrey is a complete difference maker type potential ceiling player. And then I can get a player hopefully at the end of that tier or the top of the next tier to round out the four or five turn. That's kind of where I go. So very often I come back here four twelve, and I just lock in, you know, Chris Godwin, Debo Samuel. And this is just kind of a win now team. And I'll definitely be prioritizing a Geno Smith in round seven or eight, or, you know, if Russ is there around seven, I, I like that pick as well, or Jimmy Garoppolo around 10. That's, that's usually where I would go here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just love locking in those two quarterbacks early. I hopefully won't be thinking too much about the position for a while. Yeah. Now uh, I'm going to let you make your picks here, but I'm um, looking around this, this league and how it started out, right? There's a couple things that jump at me and I wonder, and I want to ask you if you subscribe to this philosophy for me, when I'm getting into a startup, I kind of read the room, especially when I pick where you pick, right? I read the room and say, okay, what direction are these guys going in? Is somebody going young? Is somebody going really in right now? And I see if the directions I want to go in and if maybe a trade can be done. So like I look at some of these teams, uh, team one there, what's his uh, stalls or what is it? That yeah, team there? Stales. Yeah. So he's got, uh, he started off Mahomes, best available. Second time around, Kenneth Walker, young running back, fits into every team build. Then he goes Cooper Cup, Travis Kelsey. On a team like that, that's the guy I'd be looking at if I was playing for the future and saying, hey, maybe uh, you trade me one of your rookie picks for another pick in this draft because that team's win now. 30-year-old Cup, 33-year-old Kelsey. Uh, do, do you play that way? Do you kind of go in a direction at a certain point in the draft or are you just kind of building best available, just getting as much value as you can in the draft? So I typically don't fall into any specific build like a win now a veteran a young what i like to do is just play the tiers here and with with a player like chris godwin and debo samuel it is the end of a tier for me so i probably do want to lock in one of those guys to be chris godwin but then i'd probably be taking the other one of those picks going to a manager like stales and try to trade back to the 512 601 pick up a future second maybe add a pick somewhere between round 8 to 12 because as we mentioned i'm going to be looking to add a quarterback hopefully in that range so if i was able to move back one you know 12 picks here and what opens up to be a very bigger tier for me. I think there's a huge tier break early fifth round of these super flex startup drafts. And then I can gain that extra pick later, which is going to be patch up potentially the Kyler Murray stretch of the season. That, that Those are the types of deals I like to do. So I usually just play the tiers. I don't usually like picking at the top of a tier. If I have a big group within my rankings, that's when I, I look at the board, who makes sense as a trade partner. And I like to move down a couple picks, as I said, either collect later picks. So I have more darts. I think having more chances to get it right in a startup draft is freaking huge. Or I just pick up future draft capital because those will always increase in value. They can always be chips for me to move in. If I'm going rebuild, if I'm, I mean, if I go 
win now try or if i want to tear up to a player or if i just want to sit back and go into a rebuild i have a couple extra draft capital already in the bank i'm fully with you on that and if when i do these mocks if i find myself looking at a tier and uh really wanting to take a guy off the top of the tier like really feeling like i this is a guy i want and i'm going to take him like every time then i just move him up to the tier above like once i start getting that feeling of like looking at it and saying the guys usually at the top of my tiers are guys that i'm not really in love with you know what i mean like if i sit there and i and i'm just like every time i get to the next tier i say oh i gotta grab this guy i just move him up to the next one and try and save myself from that uh, from picking off the top, you know, who's a player uh, for Coop this off season. That's been a, I got to shoot him up a tier. This is a player I'm targeting. Who's been the Coop's guy this off season. So yeah, for me, it's uh it's been DK Metcalf, dude. DK Metcalf is the guy for me. And the big thing is that I've been looking at, uh, you know, first of all, the age apex for wide receivers, generally age 26 to 29, truly elite guys can carry that on past to 30 and beyond. Like, I mean, Jerry Rice had the second best season of all time at 32, right? Like uh, Marvin Harrison's best season was 30 years old. Randy Randy Moss's best season was 30 years old. But for the most part, 26 to 29 is that age apex. So anytime I can look around and grab guys that are 25 years old, 26 years old, I feel like I'm getting away with – I feel like people look at those guys and think they've been around for a while and they're getting older when in reality they're actually hitting their stride. And when I look at DK Metcalf – this guy was built for every format in the sense that uh, there's no substitute for touchdowns. And he's the only wide receiver in the league that's gotten 14 or more end zone targets three years in a row. Like the, he led the, he led the league in end zone targets this last year. Like they're not going to stop going to him. doesn't matter who the quarterback is, whether it's Russell Wilson or Geno Smith. And for me, I, I just think he's now hitting his stride, you know? Um, you worry, but with guys that size, you worry about longevity, right? Like uh, Des Bryant, the wheels kind of fell off. Also, you know, it's kind of hard to talk about it. Uh, it's difficult to talk about these guys and their personal lifestyle, but I know that, you know, DK Metcalf says he eats a bag of candy every day and goes out and parties and stuff. I don't know if I really love that, but I mean, he's just a guy that he's a freak. And I, and I think he should be in the top tier when he's not quite in the tier. Where did he go in this draft here? So he went four or six and there's absolutely no world where he should be going. Well, a after Christian Watson, that's, that's what I'm saying for me, yeah, but you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I, I have him before that pick. So I, I, I do agree. He's closer to wide receiver 10 than he is wide receiver 16 where he went on this board. So right. I would agree. Metcalf there is a, a tremendous value. We've got a lot of trades. We've reviewed a lot of trades and DK has been a really popular one. Um, every time people ask about a tear down option, when you're talking a player, like in the waddle tier, you're looking, who can I move down from and collect a good amount of value? DK Metcalf is always the first name that comes up because managers just seem to be really torn on him. As you mentioned, he's still young, but that, but he seems like a guy who's been around for a while and you know, even on his own team, I think his role is pretty darn safe. Uh, as much as we love Lockett to the channel, he's not getting any younger. DK's, he's the guy there. They extended their quarterback that he connected well with. I don't think there are concerns for DK Metcalf's production next season where there was last offseason, which is right. why it made sense that he fell to about where he's going right now. But the fact that his value hasn't really recovered the same way you would have expected it to, given the stabilization at the team level, I would agree that DK Metcalf is a glaring value. 
Yeah, the one thing I'd like to see from them is they they really ask him to do uh, the difficult jobs, right? They they put him out wide. He has to face. He has to line up at split end with his foot tethered to the line. He has to face the top corner. I'd like for them to find a way to mix him in in the slot or move him around, get him easier to catch balls. I think that's why his catch rate is low and he has like virtually no yak. Like you have got you got this freakazoid athlete. Uh, you look back at a guy like Des Bryant and how they would just hit him with slants, right? And they would just and he would just take him to the house. You know what I mean? Just how many times do you see Des? I've seen Des Bryant run back punts. You know what I mean? Just get the guy in space, this big guy, very difficult to take down. I feel like with Metcalf, they're kind of just playing chuck it up to him. I want to see them get a little more creative and and put this guy in space and and have te- have safeties looking at this guy with a head full of steam and have to start making business decisions because I feel like they're not taking enough advantage of of that side of his game. And if you look at it, DK had no yak last year. And I think part of that is, you know, uh, he's got to obviously work on his skill set, but if they put him in better position, then you're going to see results. Absolutely. Okay. So this is typically in a spot where I would be trading back. Uh, just, I think it's a pretty darn big group of wide receivers here. Like Jahan Dotson is my wide receiver three. Doesn't feel fantastic. I might just take that pick now. It doesn't necessarily fit the bill, but I do like John Dotson as a player who could step up next season. I don't want to lock myself into all veterans if Debo gets hurt. Maybe the Chris Godwin situation isn't ideal. The reason I like to be trading back is because where like taking a Nick Chubb kind of locks me into this mold. Yeah. Uh, a, a Russell Wilson, if he is the QB3, it feels just too expensive for a short-term fill. I'd rather wait a whole round and see what comes back at the eight. And maybe I pick up a guy like Derek Carr or Mac Jones, who's a much more... Uh, long-term play there as a third quarterback um i guess i'm just gonna take nick chubb here i just realized i I didn't have the chat open man look at the familiar faces in the chat man jacob harry in the chat toronto dave Dave. kevin coleman i sorry i can't i can't believe i got i had one eye on the mock draft one eye on free agency we've been talking we've been busy i've been pulling up a lot of chats because we've kind of been in the groove here i don't want to chadrick in the chat dude like chris Manhurts signed to the broncos there i know that that's a big one for you yeah. Huh? Hey, the all tight ends, man. All tight end, like even blocking tight ends are people too. And blocking honestly, I, I would, mu- I would much rather sign Chris Manhurts as a blocking tight end to the deal that he just got than, uh, you know, like two years, six million, three million guaranteed. Beautiful. Why is Josh Oliver getting twenty one million dollars, dude? What is going on? It's the CJ Zoma Tyler Conklin deal that he got over there. Right. The three I'll, year twenty plus. I'll tell you right now. This puts KJ Osborne on the biggest hot seat possible because when you go out and you sign a blocking tight end to a deal like that, when you have TJ Hawkinson already, that guarantees that blocking tight end is going to play like 60% of the snaps, which is what like Noah Gray plays on the Chiefs. And what that means is, you know, if you have three wide receivers, so you have a quarterback, five linemen, three wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back. That's your typical 11 guys. If you bring in a blocking tight end, one of those wide receivers comes out of the game, right? So whoever the third man is, is come, is he's maxing out at what, 50% snap share, 70%, 60, 70% snap share. And they also have CJ Ham at fullback. So now that's another situation we bring in every, every snap that guy plays is a snap a wide receiver doesn't play. So Justin Jefferson is obviously going to play every snap, but now KJ Osborne is sitting there where he's a full snap share guy, hypothetically right now, they bring in one guy. And now he's dust, dude. So KJ Osborne for me is he's sitting right there on the edge of could be awesome 
Because if it is two tight end sets with two wide receivers, that's how you get really highly consolidated targets like TJ Lockett and DK Metcalf. But if he ends up the third guy, now we are now he's going to be possible to trade. If they do add another wide receiver, you need. I mean, right now, honestly, I'm looking to trade Osborne, but you got to be very careful now. He is he is hanging over a cliff. Yeah, I did. Um, I saw a little bit of hype there for KJ Osborne. There were people who liked the guy. You know, he was more of a best ball type wide receiver. Popped up occasionally in big spots for the Vikings last year, and because of that, there was a little hype group on Twitter for KJ Osborne when Adam Thielen was cut. And I have to agree with you here, Coop. This is a player where if you could, I was fine with him as a mid third, late third dart. You know, especially best ball formats for dynasty. But now, if you can move him for a late second, early third, and kind of just cash out a KJ Osborne, and it's a player I'm totally looking to move off of. Everything you mentioned, the fullback, the blocking tight end, where he gets evaporated in three wide receiver sets, I don't think there's any clear indication that KJ Osborne steps up and starts playing as, you know, either flanker split and he's I mean he's more he played more out of the slot for them last year right. and this is a guy where I think he could two things could happen they could either saw what I expect they sign their other outside wide receiver who delegates him to the as you said max 50 60 percent snap player like he has been which the, for me they should be very comfortable with him in that position or yeah. even worse they draft a slot wide receiver who can also play outside and he gets yes. completely nuked Right. You know, I mean, I'm looking at you, Jackson, but there's other wide receivers in this class, of course, but that would just, Osborne would be buried. He'd be dead. I mean, I don't exactly. know how he sees the field more than 40% of the time in that situation. Exactly. It would be brutal. And it would, it would put so much pressure on Justin Jefferson. You don't want, you almost don't want that for him either. I think if you're a Justin Jefferson owner, what you want is them to bring in a split end that can stretch the field, but isn't going to be like a mega target hog. I think the perfect example, he's pr- he's a little too expensive for them because they had to cut a bunch of guys and they spent a billion dollars on Josh Oliver for some reason. But uh, it's uh, a guy like DJ, uh, uh, like DJ Chark, right? Like 6'4", 6'3". Uh, he can stretch the field. He's got the speed. He's got the size to line up at split end. And then you can have Justin Jefferson at flanker, right? Kind of going in motion, foot off the line. That would be beautiful. Uh, if we're going to pick a guy from this draft, maybe uh, Quinton Johnson, right? He's uh, To me, he's a bit of a DJ Chark type guy. Probably, I don't know, hard to say. Would you rather have DJ Chark or Quinton Johnson? I mean, at, it all depends what you're getting in on, right? I mean, if I get to keep my pick and use it elsewhere and sign DJ Chark at a team-friendly deal, I might be in on DJ Chark. But yeah. if... DJ Chark, you're priced out of that option. And, you know, Quentin Johnson falls maybe to the second round and you have a pick there for the Vikings. Then I think it might be worth the chance. Right. I think in a vacuum, in a vacuum, you take the the high risk, high reward Quentin Johnson, right? Like, because you don't know what he is yet. But at the same time, DJ Chark is a thousand yard, eight touchdown season under his belt. And, you know, he, he plays that exact, he, he can beat the jam. That's what matters, right? KJ Osborne, like you said earlier, you said he's not going to play split end. And what what Skyler means by that is that you you have to have eleven guys on the line every play. He's not going to put his foot in the on the line and face uh you know Sauce Gardner trying to jam him. Like that's never going to happen for KJ Osborne. So if they don't have a guy that can do that, it puts too much it puts too much heat on Jefferson and Osborne. Is I mean. It could help his fantasy value, but it's just, it's not, that team's not going to win the Super Bowl. Let's put it that way. All right. Before we talk more free agents here, I do want to pull up. Somebody asked here if we would trade DJ Moore for Pittman straight up. What I do want to say for this is when you are drafting, 
just depends whichever one you prefer. I have these two guys in the exact same tier, kind of like my third slash fourth tier of wide receivers past that Chris Godwin grouping. I have DJ Moore and Pittman at the top of the next tier. Um, DJ Moore right now, maybe I have one spot ahead. It's just I believe in the player a little bit more, but you could make arguments for either side. What I would say is when I have an existing team, I wouldn't trade DJ Moore for Pittman straight up, but I also wouldn't trade Pittman for DJ Moore straight up. Something that I want to just push everyone to do in dynasties don't make trades for the sake of making trades even if you if you like dj more to the extent where you have him a tier above Pittman, it's a different conversation but if you view these two players as a similar type of asset both these guys are volume dependent probably wide receiver low and wide receiver two high end wide receiver threes for your team i make the parallel when i get an incentive on top so if you're trading dj more for Pittman and you add a second third swap onto it i'm all in 100 give me that deal so that, that's just my my two cents on that. What are your thoughts on this one? Too? I completely agree. It's too lateral. And you have to ask yourself, what's the incentive, not only for you, but the other person? What's this other dude trying to say? Like, he's trying to say that he just thinks he's outright smarter than you. Trading straight up wide receivers that are the same age. Like, it, it is just like him. Like, what? I, I always have dialogues when I do these trades. For the most part, I say, hey. What's going on here? Like, and a lot of times it's like they say, oh, uh, your team is really good. My team sucks. Let's make a swap here. You take my aging player. I'll take a pick of yours and it's going to work out for everybody. And then I say, hey, you know what? That sounds great. When a guy comes to me and says, hey, let's trade wide receivers straight up. What what are you what are you getting at? Like, what are you trying to tell me? Like, you think that you think that you're just straight up smarter than me? Right. Like what's going on here? Why? Like he, what does he need to change a scenery from your fantasy team? So for me, I, I, I rare, rarely do a move like that where it's two guys that are literally next to each other in, in the rankings. Like if you go to, uh, this guy from Reddit, he's a good friend of ours, Alex Korf peaked in high school. Uh, do you know his stuff Skylar at all? I do. Uh, yeah. So he's got a good trade chart where he basically just takes like consensus rankings and puts all the players in there, um, to figure out the trade value based on, the market, right? It's not even his opinion. It's market value. DJ Moore and Michael Pittman are literally at the exact same spot on the chart. So I, I hate doing those trades, though both those players are guys I'm trying to acquire. They're both, to me, both those guys, like, and they're those are the exact uh, 26, going on 26 year old guys that, uh, that I'm all about, right? Like that whole age group there where I don't see why guys like Michael Pittman need to be so far below. Devonta Smith and why Devonta Smith needs to be so far below T Higgins. Like I, I think that these guys are both, you know, I know that T Higgins right now plays with Joe Burrow, but uh, who knows what's going to happen next. I know in in this moment uh, you have to put T Higgins up there, but I think that in a vacuum, these guys went back to back in the actual NFL draft, very similar type guys to me. I don't think it needs to be that big of a difference. So I'm, I'm trying to go out and get any of those guys. I believe in DJ Moore, Pittman, DK Metcalf, uh, maybe a little farther down, uh, guys like Rashad Bateman, Jahan Dotson, like anybody that I know is going to play a full snap share and be a top tier player on their team. That's what I want. Give me those guys. Uh, right. I want to ask you about a guy here. Um, Before we get moving, uh, I want. Oh yeah, I sorry. You a this or that? Derek Carr, or Geno Smith. Oof. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick your answer. You got 15 seconds. Yeah. Uh, let's go. I'm going with Derek Carr, man. I'm going with Derek Carr. Uh, and you know, the, the thing with Gino uh, is that I, I love the story and I, I love how it panned out for him. And I love how he got paid, but I'm always a little concerned when you see a guy come out that there's not a lot of tape on him. 
uh, because when you do get the full year, they really go in and scrutinize these guys. And if he has any tells or if he uh, does anything specific that people pick up on, things can get pretty rough for these guys. Uh, you know, you see it a lot of times with the second year with with players like Cam Newton, uh, a ton of guys that, you know, it just they teams figure out a little bit of the gimmick. It happened big time with um, uh, with the 49ers quarterback that um that got blackballed. Now, I don't know why I can't think of his name right now either, but, uh, he's talking about Kaepernick. Ka- Colin Kaepernick, big time. The, his second year, everyone picked up on a bunch of tales. He had a bunch of things that he routinely does. And that's why I think he had such a steep decline is that, you know, he was a, uh, a guy that was kind of easy to figure out once you, once you got the tape. So I, I worry about Gino in that sense. Whereas Derek Carr, He's going to be fine wherever he goes. And sorry, I just talked through your whole pick here. No, you're good. I I did want to ask you a second one. I'll come back and give my take there on Gino and Derek Carr. But quickly, give us your stance for either defending Mike Williams, or sorry, Mike Evans, or talking up a guy like Josh Downs. I mean, that's two very different directions you're going in. For me, when I have those guys ranked that close, I kind of lean into the direction I'm going. And when I look at your, like you pick Josh Downs, that's where I would have gone with it. I mean, you already have Godwin. So you're kind of banking a lot on a Buccaneers team that didn't get Jimmy G, who I think was, was the best available quarterback in free agency. Now, what do they go? Baker Mayfield, I think is the rumor. Not sure. Baker Mayfield can support. That was linked as well. Jacoby. You know where I have Jacoby going is I have Jacoby going to the Cardinals. I have, uh, you know, if he can't, if he doesn't find a starting gig, he can actually start for the Cardinals to start the year. Um, he can, like right off the bat, he can be the starting quarterback while Kyler's coming back. And he has ties to um, the GM. Monty Austin Fort is a Patriots guy. Uh, so I think it's either, the Cardinals, for me, it's either going to be him or it's going to be Gardner Minshew uh, with uh, coming over with Jonathan Gannon from the Eagles. But I think that's probably what, if that was, if you had to start a guy for the first couple games, I'm not going with Colt McCoy. He's not, I don't know anything about the guy. He's not the my end, guy. The end of last right? season was really, really hard to watch for Cardinals fans. The way they absolutely collapsed when it was Colt McCoy at the helm in the Trace McSorley experiment, what that did for fantasy, for our players there in fantasy, it, it was really tough to watch. So I would hope as well for Hollywood Brown shares that they do bring an option. I would say both Garter and Brissett I think are fine, especially when if Hopkins is out of the building. They might be hyper-focused there on Hollywood, and you could see the volume that sustained wide receiver one type production in his last two half seasons since when he was performing like a wide receiver one. So yeah. that, that is it is important to know. I want to say with Carr and Geno, um, I was fully prepared to take Geno Smith at 812. That was the plan the entire time, but Russell Wilson kind of flirted with me there. I'm never taking Geno Smith over Russell Wilson. The contract security Russell Wilson has – I, I'm I'm leaning in again. It's all about cost for me. When he was a second round pick last season, and he gave you quarterback sixteen production, you were very disappointed. I mean, the opportunity cost of bringing in Russell Wilson there or acquiring him what he cost last off season with all the hype around Denver and him performing the way he did it really really hurt your dynasty teams. But now round eight, you're talking. He almost got to the eight nine turn there. Russell Wilson can perform like a wide, a quarterback sixteen, and it's worth the cost. But if he improves and goes back towards even a low end quarterback one or high quarterback to play, I mean, you're you're getting a very good player for your team. Uh, he's going to fill that quarterback two spot very nicely, and he should be with Denver for multiple seasons. There's no way for them to get out of that deal. Uh, yeah, but- I love the value there on him. And the other thing with Carr is that, like, you just need a guy to fill in until Kyler gets back. 
Like the, in the ideal world, you're going to have Watson and Murray. So I'm just going with the best short-term option possible. Um, the other thing I want to mention is that the guy that I might have taken where you took downs is Rashad Bateman. Uh, for sure. me, I, I've seen the year before the way uh, Lamar Jackson was able to fire passes at you know 150 targets each for Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. And now they have um, – they have Todd Munkin coming in, who's running the air raid offense. And I've been kind of looking at some quotes from him. And he just straight up said, he's like, my background is in quarterbacks and wide receivers. And he goes, I enjoy throwing the football, right? He's like, so that's what we're going to do. And that's exactly what I want to hear when if I'm just so tired of Greg Roman and his ground and pound approach, not throwing to running backs ever. Uh, it just has it, bothered me for since it bothered me since he was with the 49ers and just kind of didn't throw to Frank Gore ever. Uh, and Frank Gore was on a easy Hall of Fame trajectory up until that point, and he was one of the best fantasy assets. And if you go back and look at those four years, where if you just look at Frank Gore's stats and look at his receptions, you can see exactly which four years Greg Roman was calling the plays. That's how crazy of a difference it is. He went from averaging like fifty plus receptions a year, sixty receptions a year, to like fifteen. Like it was bad. So uh, don't like Greg Roman. Love Todd Munkin coming in, and with that, Rashad Bateman. Like, I know I'm, he's a big, I'm a big fan of Rashad Bateman. I think really him or Downs is like you can go either or. To be honest, there's a world where those two are teammates. <laughs> you know, you really never know at this point too of the offseason with these rookies how, where they're going to impact. I think it's funny a lot of times you make that decision, the two end up on the same team, and you you feel yeah. a little stuck. I'm sure there were a lot of owners of Hollywood back in the day with who felt that way with Rashad Bateman. Um, now on yeah. Downs, if you want to, you want to hear you're you're a big Josh Downs fan, Scott. I like Josh Downs. I think he's I'm a big fan of Jahan Dotson and like Elijah Moore and these types of I players. love John Dotson. He's a little different, but um he's as close to those group of guys. I love my five eight one eighty boys. I know he's was a little lighter than yeah. that, but I just love those types of players. So I'll say I love that Jahan Dotson came out immediately, got more snaps than Curtis Samuel. Like that's so huge in 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 because you look at a guy like Alec Pierce and he was getting out snapped by Paris Campbell. And that concerns me, right? So I love seeing the guys come out, get the snaps. Uh, you want to hear something, uh, um, some praise for Josh Downs that I recently heard? Yeah. It'll get you a little fired up. Uh, we had uh, Brandon Huffman on. I know I mentioned in the chat there, uh, just a legendary NFL scout. And we asked him, we were talking tight ends. We were t- we, the whole thing was on tight ends. And he went out of his way to say, this guy, Josh Downs, is the real deal. Because I think he, the example he was giving is that you know, people like to look at 40 time. They like to, like to look at size. They like to look at everything. And he goes, sometimes you just got to look and see if this guy is a baller, if he can actually play. And he goes, some of these guys that come out and have the tape and stuff, they're more track guys. They're not, they don't have it. And he goes, this guy, Josh Downs has it. And not only does he have it, but his little brother, Caleb Downs is also going to be an animal. He said, I think he's going to be uh uh, running back at Alabama. So this guy, and this is the guy who goes and talks to these guys when they're 16, 17 years old and figures out what they're all about. He's like, this guy, Josh Downs is a real deal. So that move downs up in my rankings for, for, for sure. Yeah. And I know everyone loves to give Addison a little bump. Cause they say, Hey, he made, he made a Kenny Pickett look like a competent quarterback. Well, Sam Howell's main dude there was Josh Downs, 1,300 yards, eight touchdowns, over 100 receptions last year uh, as a sophomore. And then he put up the season he did this year with double-digit touchdowns, over 1,000 yards again. So for sure, reasons to be excited on Josh Downs. Just a gamer, man. Just a baller. And like that's what he said. He basically was like, you got to find out what these guys are about, and this guy is about it. All right. So talking about these little slot-wide receivers, 
Wando Robbins, sorry, yeah, Wando is a player that we've been excited about for this offseason. We were thinking, you know, while he might ease back, maybe they bring back Richie James on a cheap deal. He did very well when he got the opportunity. Well, Richie's not under contract, and a player who now is, after being cut, was Sterling Shepard. Do you think Sterling Shepard makes the team, uh, takes targets away from either of these players? And what are your thoughts on Wandell going into next season? Yeah, I feel, Sterling Shepard's a guy I feel terrible for, honestly, man. Like, talk about serious, serious injuries, Achilles, knee. I'm glad he was able to get a deal, but you look at that contract and it is, uh, what is it? Under 2 million, million. right? One yeah, a million three, bucks. Yeah. Veteran contract. I mean, honestly, they he might not make the team. You know, They might be doing him a favor. The, I've, I've actually seen, we've seen it a couple times where they sign these guys to these deals just so they can continue to get treatment, right? And like uh, with the insurance and things like that, where it's kind of a... You know, hopefully he makes the team. He is a target hog out of the slot, which would be annoying for Wandell Robinson, no question. Like the very few guys that have double digit target games on their resume, like Sterling Shepard does when he's healthy, right? Um, so that would be annoying for Wandell. The other thing is that this is just Wandell just doesn't have the profile that I typically go for. Um, same thing with Rondell Moore. The problem that I, I worry about is snaps. Uh, and you saw with Rondell Moore, like he has zero run blocking ability. To the point where he had a couple of really bad penalties just because he he really can't get it done. And, you know, obviously that's not the end of the world. But if you want to be a guy that plays 90% of the snaps, you got to figure that out somehow. Right. And at 5'8", 180, this guy better be electric is, is you know, what I, is what I mean. Like, so, but Wondell Robinson, I don't quite put him in the same tier as Rondell Moore. I think he's a, just a, to me, he's just a better prospect and a better player, but I, that's what I worry. I do worry about that a little bit. I do worry about that a little bit. All right. So on the clock here, I want to ask you, uh, first we'll start with running backs. I want to get one running back, one wide receiver, because I would love to hear your opinion of this current running back room here. You can't quite see because we're on the screen. We got Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, Miles Sanders, Isaiah Pacheco, Brian Robinson, Towers, your Dave Montgomery, James Connor, Kula Herbert. These are the names at the top of the list. Who stands out to you? And what is what what are you looking at in this territory of the draft? We have Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb. Are you looking for a player who can hit the lineup? A veteran like Aaron Jones, a player we've been hammering at the kind of the ninth round all offseason? Or are you looking at maybe with one of these young guys? Yeah. So for me personally. Uh, so I, I actually just wrote on why I'm probably selling Aaron Jones. They they had 12 RB carries inside the five yard line, which is not that many. Uh, AJ Dillon got 10 of them, so like that part of the role is gone now to somebody else. Alvin Kamara is going to start the season suspended most likely. Which with your team, you're going to miss Kyler Murray. You're going to miss Alvin Kamara. You could dig yourself too big of a hole to start this year. Miles Sanders is a guy that I personally really like. Uh, you look at. His efficiency over his career, he's one of like five guys with over, you know, uh, with like over 400 carries that has over five yards per carry for their career. It's like him, Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, oddly Gus Edwards, and Aaron Jones, right? He comes from a system now that uh, Jalen Hurts was second in the entire league in carries inside the five himself and Mobile quarterbacks don't throw as much to the running back. I think that Miles Sanders, if he lands on a team like Miami, we're actually going to see the full Miles Sanders. The type of Miles Sanders we saw when he was a rookie where he caught 50 passes, where he caught hit 63 targets. I think a big reason why he went from 63 targets to 52 targets down to 34 and 26 is that 
you know, Andrew Erickson from Pro Football Focus statistically proved that mobile quarterbacks do not throw to the running back as much as their counterparts. And it makes a lot of sense. If I am a mobile quarterback, why am I going to dump it down to Miles Sanders if I can just run it myself and have him block for me? So I think Miles Sanders is the exact kind of guy who has everything on paper we like to see. Last year, he had 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns despite all that. Now he gets a chance to land somewhere else where he can be treated like the full back instead of this like partial back. So I, Miles Sanders is a guy I really like. I'm not going to force you to pick him, but no, that's who no. I would take here we'll go with miles sanders i was just waiting for you to get through your thing here i mean we've talked about miles sanders on the channel where we are concerned especially depending where he lands he's a player where it could be a situation where he just kind of stays in a similar role i mean over the course of his career you mentioned the years the dip in targets i mean it's 56 percent drop over the course of his career that's an average of 25 percent less targets every single season there are a few spots that would really legitimately concern me. You know, even a spot like Buffalo, you'd have the very similar problems, but potentially, as you said, Miami or maybe Carolina, I don't know what their plans with Deontay Foreman are, but that, that could also be very interesting. I want to ask wide receiver here. Is there anyone that stands out from the wide receivers that haven't gone yet? Like a Jacoby Myers or, or trade rumors like a Corey yeah. Sutton, a Michael Thomas. Can you scroll down just a little bit so I can take any, a peek? Anywhere uh, there of interest for you. Honestly, with that crew, this so this is where I personally I, I just get really aggressive. So I'm either going to take Kadarius Tony purely on yards per route run upside, just moonshot, or I'm going to take and just hope that he doesn't decide to just go be a rapper. And I'm going to take, or I'm going to take the the best the big the best rookie the the just my top rookie pick in this situation for and for me personally i might just take the rookie in this in this case so if there's a rookie name that jumps at you i know you're deeper into the devy stuff than i do you're deeper into the prospects than i am uh that's where i'd go otherwise i would honestly probably just take a darius tony and hope that with juju smith schuster gone that 2.15 yards per route run which is it is elite right like that's Anything over two is what we like to see. Like that's pro- that's where I go and just say, hey, you know what? Maybe this guy's magic. I've seen. I mean, I'm not even a huge tape guy, and I've seen him do some stuff that is just wild. That the right. you know, I would I would be badly hurt if I tried to do some of the jukes that Kadarius Tony's done. Yeah, it's about <laughs> staying on the field for Kadarius Tony. Really, is what it boils down to. But the opportunity right. couldn't be better. The player skill set for the situation could not be better um if you you were looking rookie there for anyone wondering the two names that probably stick out would be probably either rushy rice or cedric tillman uh i think those two unless if i scroll down a little further likely stand out in that range for me personally uh, as guys that i would be comfortable taking at the back end of the second round in rookie drafts yeah so i I actually don't know too much about cedric tillman can you give me the quick spiel on him what's his deal um so it's kind of just a health thing with him out of tennessee Um, oh yeah, he's he, the Tennessee guy. Okay, yeah, yeah. now right. Now, so when he was yeah. out there, a lot of people felt he was the best wide receiver. He put up a thousand yard season in 2021 as a redshirted junior. Uh, 12 touchdowns, really exciting player. He was on a lot of people's radar, and then he just wasn't healthy this season. He only played through six games, uh, so his stats took a big toll. And then you know there was the rise of Jalen Hyatt and a lot of people's rankings. Yes. But Cedric Tillman. He's a little older, coming out as a fifth-year senior. That puts a lot of people off. That you know puts an X in a box. But the production was there in college. Uh, this is a guy who is a big, big boy. I forgot his exact measures. We're talking a six-three, six-four, two-twenty type of player. So he is. He's a big target who has capitalized on 
you know, targets in the past in college and put up good numbers to support it. So it's right. it, draft capital will be important. If he's a day two guy, he's right on your radar. Day three, it's all about landing spots. So Cedric Tillman is a player just, just to keep your eye on. There aren't a lot of guys in this draft that have that size that we're looking for with a player like him, which are always, you know, hit or miss type prospects, but just, just, someone to keep an eye on it's a little too early for me here in the 12th as i said he's probably a player that might slide into the beginning of the third round of some of your rookie drafts but an exciting one okay yeah i'm in man i mean like jalen hyatt's exciting for me and i actually have heard a lot of good things about hendon hooker from uh brandon huffman liked him i've heard two or three different people said that they were really impressed with him the way he handled himself and the way he spoke at the, at the combine so it's a uh, tough one with Hendon hooker right because when you're right. drafting hooker you are taking what he is now you're looking at who he was in college he's coming off uh an injury he, he's Late coming into he's he's an older prospect as well a player like him or a stetson bennett like you're bringing the man you're saying this is my backup quarterback that's the plan and who's who really takes that kind of a stab in the draft where this is a clear backup older prospect before day three. And that's why for Hannah hooker for fantasy, I just don't have a lot of interest. The hit rates on quarterbacks, once they fall into day three is just, it's too low for me to want to spend a late second or early third rookie pick on a player like that. If he were, if he were day two or it was a spot where he might be in a quarterback competition, I'm cool in the early, you know, somewhere in the third round taking that stat. We've done it in years past. Jalen Hurts was a different type of player, but we've done it with guys like Davis Mills who had a turnaround spot to sell. But then there's some complete whiffs like a Kellen Mond. So yeah. um, it's just yeah. it's just something to keep an eye on. But I, I don't I'm not sure how high Hennon Hooker goes. Just there are a lot, of, a lot of question marks with the health and where jams might like him. He might be a good quarterback room guy. I don't know if there's any ceiling there from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, it's you hit the nail on the head that I need a team to come out and love him for me to love him, right? Like I need a team to come out and say, hey, we're going to give this guy a shot to be our starting quarterback. Like they come out and they have take like the Washington, right? Like Washington's going to start Sam Howell, but then they spend up on Hooker and say, hey, you know what? We really like this guy and we're going to, you know, he's going to get every chance to compete. That's when that's when I consider him. But like you said, if sure. if he, that'd be an interesting team decision though, just because it kind of made a similar decision on Sam Howell only right. just one year ago. And if you're going to do that, spend a fifth rounder on Howell, and you turn around the next year and spend a fifth on on Hooker, it, it's a very odd move to me. That's the that's the person that goes down to the pool and just kind of dangles their feet in the water, right, every time, and just doesn't actually ever jump all the way in. Uh, Kirk Cousins, <laughs> Kirk Cousins doesn't grow on trees. I mean, it's. It's he was a rare type of player. I mean, these guys who come out round four and end up being a quarterback who makes a difference, uh, they, they're far and few in between. Statistically speaking, Kirk Cousins is the highest scoring fourth round quarter in terms of total fantasy points. No fourth round quarterback has scored more fantasy points than Kirk Cousins. Like yep. that, you're right. And if, and so, if we were and, on, if we were on your show with with the boys at uh front yard and they were asking questions like what fourth round quarterback has the most fantasy points ever Kirk Cousins was my first guest because I couldn't tell you a name who is competing for that title right I think it might I think like if you take the third and fourth round it's just Kirk Dak and Russell with Russell I was looking at the other day Russell Wilson he has the most points over the last 25 years for a third round quarterback you know who is second uh it's might just be Dak so <laughs> it's it, well, Dak is fourth. Dak is fourth. I'll get. I'll give you a big hint. I'll give you a big hint. He's really. He's known really well for pick sixes. Uh, pick sixes. Who, who? Who is it? It's Matt Schaub. 
Matt Schaub. There we go. I mean, Matt Schaub is a player who just Shanahan hung him around at the end of his career. Too. Around, uh, I was I was holding out hope that there'd be any interest for Shanahan and bringing Matt Ryan as a potential competition there for Trey Lance, who's non-controversial cheap. But we got Sam Darnold to come in to fill that competition. I know there were managers way back who were saying, uh, however serious that. If the Niners had Sam Donald, they would have won a Super Bowl instead of Jimmy Garoppolo because of the decisions he made. I remember that was a popular hot take back in the day. Uh, how do you feel about the Sam Darnold competition, and what does it tell you about how they feel for Trey Lance? And also, if you can touch on Brock Purdy's injury notice. We do have a manager's draft, too. Only quarterbacks are Trey Lance and Brock. Yeah, I think the Sam Darnold signing there is the nail in the coffin for Sam Darnold. That's what I think that is. Um, you know, I, I really don't think he's going to have any chance to compete, but – who knows, you know, um, uh, looks like we got some news in the chat. Some, uh, Jacob Perry reporting that the giants have signed, uh, they've signed linebacker, Bobby Okarike. That's pretty good. I, I kind of thought he might go back to the Colts, but apparently, uh, that's not the case going into the giants. So the giants making another big splash out here, man. Uh, who, who do you think the winners are free agency wise giants bears on the table, uh, really a lot of movement. I got to go with the Bears. I mean, they're, yeah. they're feeling good for me here. Um, uh, that that auto pick really hurt me. I was hoping Izzy Abanacana would come all the way there at the end here. I was going to say when we were talking Tillman or um, Rashi Rice, I never would have taken them over Rashawn Johnson, who who went there in the eleventh round, or Izzy Abanacana, who out of Pittsburgh, he might be sneaking in my top five in this this rookie class for running backs. I mean, right now, I think I might have him or Roshan sit at my RB5 uh, after, of course, like Tucker and Charbonnet, those two I'm still tossing between. I need to see draft day. But it's just a name to keep in your radar because in a lot of drafts, a lot of people's rankings, I see, I see Israel often slide into the third round of people's rankings, and he's pretty comfortably a second for me, especially if he lands in a spot we like. Uh, I mean, day two would be, I, we love to throw day two around. Everyone's a day two pick until they're not. But this is a right. player where that draft capital would absolutely solidify things for me. Of course, it changes the running backs. So you go through day three, then it's all about opportunity. But it's just a name to keep in mind. Um, David oh, Montgomery yeah. there is an uh, interesting, interesting pick. I really like it. I think that's a bargain, man. Round 12. It does look like he's going back to Chicago on the digest. We talked to David Montgomery and we had mentioned we Which don't is think good. he's going to go back, but. It makes a lot of sense. They they don't need a back who's necessarily elite um, receiver because of Justin Fields. We just talked through about how quarterbacks target down. We don't need a guy who's an elite blocker. He's good enough, which is all you really need when you have Justin Fields again running. And so he can come in on those blocking downs where Kluivert isn't necessarily that guy. He's not that great at that when you need the pure rushing. The committee worked really well with those two last year. Um, so it makes a lot of sense for him to go back and you'll, you'll get spikes where he's just a low RB two. And at round 12, uh, it's probably a good price. Yeah. Is this the last round of this mock? Or are we doing more? This is the last round of this mock. I'll let you throw it away. What do you think on Cortland? Sutton you got to do. No, you got to I got one last pick for you to make, dude. Okay. One last pick for this mock. You don't have a tight end. It's time to grab Chig. It's You're time right. to grab Chig right. Aconquo. Yeah. I love Chig Aconquo. Wrap this Chig puffy Aconquo. up, dude. Yeah. Go, tight end on, guy. go on a soapbox. Let's Give go, dude. Form. Give Put me up for Chig. Here's the deal with Chig. We're looking for guys that can be top two targets on their team. The vast majority of fantasy-relevant tight ends, especially ones that are consistent and finish top five, are either leaders on their team in targets or are at least 
Second, look at around Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Mark Andrews. These guys are either leaders or top two. Right now, he has an opportunity to be the second target on that team after Traylon Burks. He, they got nobody else for them. They lost even Robert Woods is gone. Nick Westbrook Akine is a free agent. They might bring somebody in, but he's at least in the mix. I'd love him versus a rookie. I'll take that battle all day long. The other thing this guy offers is speed, man. He's a 4-5-40 guy, which is what George Kittle is, top 95th percentile. And when you look at uh, the speed guys versus the other guys, the big thing they give you is yak. That's the difference maker. And there's only two guys that have three or more 40 plus yard plays as tight ends. Yes, that's crazy. You'd think they would be more than that. Only two guys that have uh, three or more plays in one season, George Kittle, and last year, Chinga Conkle. And that was on a 35% snap share. I am so in on this guy right now. It's wild. I mean, if they add another high-end wide receiver, he could get smoked. But right now, it's feeling pretty good. And to get him where you just got him, whew, Trayvon. Yeah, no, uh, you, you stole everything I was going to come in and say on Chinga Conkle with his speed. He's not the biggest guy. Being like 6'2", 240, he is more like a wide receiver. He was raw yeah. coming in. We don't like the helmet scout, but when I saw this pick and I look into Chig, I'm, I get a spitting image of Jonu Smith. That was my original thoughts. I'm like, I hope he doesn't get pigeonholed into this block and roll. He is a little undersized. It's exciting. He's athletic. The speed scores, you said, 90-plus percent across the board. But with Chig, he came out last year in its limited snaps. He still came out, as you mentioned. The plays, the 30, 40-yard catches. He had a stretch mm-hmm. where he had three or four games in a row. We had one in every single game, which offers you just some bit of a floor for this player. And he is the clear number two on that team right now. Of course, we don't know who's throwing the football. We, we need a little stabilization there for that consistency out of Chig. But when you're looking at these tight ends and you want to know where do I take a, a, a risk, again, everything right Coop said. Second, he can compete for second in targets. We got athletic uh, and he can catch deep balls. He can make big splash plays. So Chiga Conquo is is definitely a player I 100% would have been looking at here. Um, I mean, you get him. We have him in our ranks like tight end 14. Right. Uh, and I get him in a group with Trey McBride. And you see him going right here too. I think both those plays are really good values in the 12th. Even more so, I like Dalton. Or sorry, Greg Dulcich there in the 11th round. I think that's also a really nice price. Huge. Absolutely, Mike, especially with Michael Mayer coming in immediately, jumping into people taking him round like seven. I have I have Mayer in the same tier with Dulcich. I think he's a better player. But when, before we see where he lands and how he produces. The separation between him and a Trey McBride or these other guys like Dulcich should not be five rounds. Who knows? Like, who knows where Mayer ends up, right? And like, we don't even know. Kincaid could end up being a higher ranked guy. I mean, he's he went even lower than than Mayer here. But yeah, I love Dulcich, especially with the Cortland Sutton trade rumors. That's exactly what you want to hear, man. Because then what's stopping Dulcich from being that high A dot? He's a converted wide receiver as well. So what's stopping him, you know? So that's what I'm interested in. If you're a Chigakonkwa fan like I am, you want to see this team go out and add a clear inline tight end. And then he's just clear for takeoff, like, uh, you know, go out and add, let's see, uh, who, who drew sample. That'd be perfect. Like, then, you know, they're like, okay, Chigakonku is part of the attack on this team. Drew sample is part of the protection. That's how we're setting it up. Like, that's what I want to see. I want to see, they'd be like, we're just going to use this guy at the slot and we'll figure the rest out, you know, with one more wide receiver. That's how we get the upside for Chigs. So keep an eye on that. We'll have to see what they do. But uh, I'm rooting for them to bring in the pass blocking tight end to really solidify Chig as the I mean, dude, you know? Talking about bringing in pass blocking tight ends, we do see Johnny Smith going to the Falcons. How do you Thank feel God. about that role as Thank a guy, huh? God, man, that is How these awesome. rookies are hopefully surviving Ugh, the draft, right? Saves. Oh, because I, I was having nightmares that they were going to grab Darnell Washington. 
right? And put him there. Really limit him. I mean, this yeah. is a guy where his biggest concerns is because of how good he is at blocking, potentially the best in the class, and just how you can it swing him me. out every single time. This is a guy who just, like a John, who just gets pigeonholed into that role right. and doesn't see any volume where he's crazy athletic. We all saw the catch at the combine. I mean, he went Georgia, big program. He's a monster of a guy. He tested well, but is he going to catch passes? I mean, that's the big question. And if you land behind Kyle Pitts, you're not catching passes. You are blocking. So Pitts can go out and be a wide receiver. Exactly. Brandon Huffman scared the hell out of me. He said that when he was 17 years old, they were all talking to Darnell Washington and they basically more than half the scouts were telling him, Here's the deal with you. They're like, you can play, you can beef up, be an offensive tackle and play in the NFL, or you could try and be a tight end and maybe end up working at a car wash. Now, Darnell Washington decided to stick with tight end and now he's going to the NFL as a tight end. But uh, those conversations were had. He's 6'7, 260. So the difference between him and an offensive tackle isn't much. George Fant was a college basketball player at Western Kentucky. And then he played tight end, and now he's a 325-pound offensive tackle for the Jets. Like, that's how it happens sometimes. Uh, One last thing on Johnny Smith is that how scary would it be for you to be a nickel corner or a safety and be sitting there and and they hand the ball to Tyler Algier, and you got Johnny Smith and Kyle Pitts and Drake London coming out to block you? That's some big boys they got over there, man. It is some big boys. I do like what they're doing there. We need it. We still need to see what the heck they're doing at quarterback. It's a very interesting situation with Atlanta. I will say I live here in Vegas, the hometown for Darnell Washington. And if I saw a six foot seven boy at the car wash, I would be like, you made some poor decisions in your life. It sounds like he made the right one sticking with it. Uh, The other guy, Kincaid, also Vegas boy. Vegas is just repping with these tight ends. And neither one is Bishop Gorman. So good for you guys. Um, Wide receivers here. We had you on the channel when we talked free agent wide receivers. None of them have landed yet unless they went in the last hour while we're recording. We got Jacoby still sitting there. Chark, Juju, those were the three guys we talked about. Other names out there, apparently OBJ wants $20 million from some some team that has no idea what they're doing. We got McCall Harmel, Paris Campbell, Alan Lazard kind of as later names. Adam Thielen, we don't necessarily know where he's going to land. Do you think Adam Thielen has any juice left? What teams do you think are good fits for him? Because we haven't really talked much about him. And any thoughts on the other wide receivers or what you think will start this domino effect at the position? Yeah, so I'm going to, uh, right now I'm linking on your post. So you posted from the JWB. I'm linking an article I just wrote this morning. I, I woke up today. Dude, today I was so fired up. I did a show, 7 to 10 a.m. And then before free agency, I was like, you know what? Nothing's happened yet. I'm going to write a full article right now, breaking down all the free agent wide receivers and what roles they fit into and where I think they should go. That's what I did with my morning. And then I started the tracker after that. So in this article, I go in and I say, I break it down into split end, flanker, pure slot wide receiver, field stretcher, categorizing each player. And Adam Thielen is still a guy that I categorize as a split end. What I think he should be is a part-time split end. And what I mean by that is, You'll have teams that have um, a good example would be the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers when they still had Chase Claypool, right? And they would have Deontay Johnson and George Pickens out there for most snaps. And then you bring in Chase Claypool for three wide receiver sets to tether his foot to the line. I think if you took Thielen and put him on a team like the Lions, you could have uh, Amon Ross St. Brown and Jamison Williams out there on every single snap. And when you have two tight ends on the field, You don't have to have anybody tethered to the line because the two tight ends are tethered to the line, right? So you can have J-Mo and Amon Ross St. Brown off the line. They don't get jammed up, 
right? So they're free to go in motion, do whatever. They're going to be okay in that situation. Then when you go with a single tight end, you bring in Adam Thielen. He's playing like 70% of the snaps. He's playing split end. He's scoring touchdowns, right? He scored like 30 touchdowns over 30 games, whatever it was. And now Adam Thielen can extend his career, make a little more money, maybe get a little revenge in the division. So Adam Thielen to the lines is something I'm feeling pretty good about as a replacement for for DJ Chark as a split end. How do you feel about that, man? No, I, I love the move. I, I do expect... Detroit to make a signing like that, whether it's bringing Chark back on a deal or a player like Adam Thielen. We, t- we, we talked about this when we went through the wide receiver episode, what makes sense for Detroit. And right. I love the Thielen shout. This seems like a guy who could stay in division. I mean, I don't know him personally, but he, with his college path and his career path, he seems comfortable, at least in that general area here. Uh, I'll throw a, a wild card out there because I do want to roll the conversation into it with the New York Jets and how you would feel about Adam Thielen potentially finding his way there where he could play as the second guy with maybe Elijah coming in through the slot. Um, and what you see with a guy like Corey Davis, if he survives free agency, stays in New York Jet, and the overall impact of what seems imminent with Aaron Rodgers coming. So, yeah, so you'll, you'll see it when you read, if you you guys check out that article I wrote, I am a big real life football. I know I do talk a lot of fantasy football, but I'm a, a really big real life football guy. And I really get into the real life implications. And Corey Davis, to be honest, I like the player. I think he's a, he's a top 10 graded run blocker year in and year out on pro, pro football focus. That's what one of the reasons he went so high is he had the floor of just being a really good blocking guy on the outside. And I mean, statistically speaking, he goes out there, plays the hardest role in the offense at split end, faces the top coverage, and he's okay. You know what I mean? It's the injuries that have really been hurting him. The problem with that is to you have you have Corey Davis now, right? If you cut Corey Davis, he's got a $10 million. Uh, he's got sorry, he's got a he's got a good chunk of uh of caps hit still. I'm pretty fairly confident. Or or actually, sorry, he's got what he's got there right now is he he's under contract for 10 million. So if you're gonna Pivot from Corey Davis. You need to find a wide receiver that's either a lot better at 10 million or is just in general better. How much better is DJ Chark than Corey Davis that you're going to give 15 million to DJ Chark? How much better is Adam Thielen than Corey Davis if you're going to bring in Adam Thielen versus Corey Davis? If I am going to bring in, if I am going to go through the process of cutting Davis, bringing in Thielen, teaching him the offense, I better be getting Thielen for cheaper than I'm paying Corey Davis, or at least the same amount. I do think Thielen is better, but how much better? And how much more do I got to pay him? Is it worth making the move too? Because we've already seen Corey Davis be a good, a really solid complement to this group with where Elijah can stay in the slot and and Garrett Wilson can go be the main guy yes. there on the outside, the X guy. He's a really good fit for that team. So I'm really glad you said everything you said because I wanted to use the Corey Davis as a way for me to say, I don't want to hear that Adam Thielen, it's cute, but I just don't see it happening with Corey yeah. Davis. I think I, Corey Davis is a way better real-life wide receiver than fantasy. He's strictly yes, a best-ball guy for fantasy, right. but in real football, Corey Davis is still a top 50 wide receiver in the NFL. Like, let's, At least in my opinion, I think he's right no doubt. there. No, no I'm with you. Spot. He does a lot more things on the football field than score the fantasy points for your team. And this just takes, I don't want to hear anyone mentioning OBJ for plenty of reasons no. for the Jets. I know we hear Rodgers is coming. He's going to attract a bunch of free agents. Everyone's going to throw his name around OBJ. There's no shot. Well, you have Corey Davis. There are cheaper alternatives and the money OBJ is going to want with this, with, with a kind of a new direction in the locker room as well. I, I don't see it happening for OBJ where 
I don't know where he's going to land, but it's certainly not the Jets. I just wanted the, to make that point. The, the other beautiful thing about Corey Davis, like if you're a Garrett Wilson fan, you love Corey Davis because uh, he goes out there, he plays a huge snap share. I mean, he finished the season playing 97%, 84%, 77%. Like he's playing full snap shares, and he's, but he's not soaking up targets, right? He's doing his job and he's leaving the door open for Garrett Wilson to be a megastar. I'll tell you right now, the devil you know is better than the one you don't. Right. If you have a Corey Davis and you know he's just going to be like a 80 target guy, that's awesome for Garrett Wilson. Right. You you don't want them going out and bringing in anybody else that could mess it, that could that can mix it up at all. Like you just want it to stay. Whatever we saw from Garrett Wilson last year, you want that again, only with Aaron Rodgers. So Corey Davis, like if you're you're rooting for that, I think that's the thing that people don't realize with a lot of times is that like you're rooting for your team to sign wide receivers just like middle of the pack wide receivers, you know? And at this point with how, what we've seen from Garrett Wilson, if you're an Elijah Moore owner slash fan, and you're just praying for something to happen where he gets bumped targets, Elijah Moore is going to have to earn his targets regardless of who is there. And as you mentioned with the unknown, Corey Davis, if he can't beat out Corey Davis, he's probably not beating out right. whoever they bring in to replace that position for targets. Bingo. With him owning that slot. I'm kind of cool with them staying where he can stick to that position and try to earn a role. If it's not meant to be, it's not going to be meant to be. And especially with Rodgers, if he can't do it with Rodgers, the, the, the hope is gone for Elijah. So I think the situation, the way it is, is the best it's going to be for Elijah, unfortunately. And if he's going to show out, he's going to show out. Yeah. And this is exactly the case. Like Elijah Moore is a perfect case. And I say the same thing with, with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is that like everything was fine. Like Amon Ross St. Brown, you want him to be on the field every snap when they have DJ Moore. That's a uh, sorry, not DJ Moore. When they have DJ Chark, that was a possibility that that you know DJ Chark is a guy that comes out of the game. What happens when they go out? Uh, and I'll give you the the perfect example with Tyler Boyd. He stayed on the field. He played flanker in two wide and then moved into the slot for three wide when it was him and AJ Green. As soon as they got T Higgins and Jamar Chase, once they got down the red zone and they were saying who comes out of the game for Drew Sample. I'll tell you what, it wasn't going to be T. Higgins, and it definitely wasn't going to be Jamar Chase. So if the Lions have Jamison Williams, and he's as good as we expect him to be, you really got to worry who the split end is. You want it to be a guy like Adam Thielen who's willing to play 60-70% of the snaps. You don't want them to go out and get Quinton Johnston. You don't want them to go out and add, you know, even Alan Lazard. Like you don't want them, you don't want any situation where they get down to the red area and say who's coming out of the game not Jamison Williams, and you look over and it's 6'5", Alan Lazard, and you're like, okay, who are we taking out here? 6'5", Alan Lazard or Amon Rossi Brown? It's You don't want that decision to ever happen. You want the other split end to be just okay. Corey Davis would be great, right? So keep that in mind when you're drafting Amon Rossi Brown where in the second round of this draft is where he went, that uh, he has been very good during this rebuild. But at a certain point, the rebuild is going to end, and it might not be Jared Goff taking the low-hanging fruit, and this team might go out and do what the Dolphins did, and Jalen Waddle is Jamison Williams, and Tyreek Hill is the next guy, right? Yeah. So just be very careful. Tyreek Hill, that's his name, and if you can guess the segue, I will be impressed. But a year ago, Poop was on record guessing Tyreek Hill is a name that could potentially be moved. Keep it on your radar. Absolute W for Coop. You'll love to see it. As tuned in as you are, Give me a give me a player. Is there anyone on your radar this year that you think could be a surprise move in two months? Draft is sneaking up on us. 
Okay, so I mean, I threw this one out there, and the cold cold water's been poured on it a little bit, uh, but honestly, I threw I and I got I got a lot of trash for this one. Anon was obviously very upset, but if the if the Rams keep going in the direction they're going in, which is just literally dropping Bobby Wagner for cap, cutting Leonard Floyd for cap, looking to trade, putting everybody on the trade block. I mean, it could if if Matt Stafford has his elbow issues continue the way they are. I mean, you're, there's never a time you're going to get more value back for a guy like Cooper Cup. So I don't think it's crazy for this team to say this is the worst free agent wide receiver class we've seen in forever. There's no super mega star in the draft, right? There's nobody we think it goes like top five. Like there's no Julio Jones. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to cash out on a guy like Cooper Cup, which the fans would obviously hate it. You can yeah. get so much back now. And then next year, he's going to be 31 years old. And then every year you add on to that is a huge, huge amount you're losing in, in return. So right now, I know it's crazy, but I, th- I think it's not crazy for to, for Cooper Cup to potentially be on the block if this team keeps doing what they're doing, which is basically just letting everyone leave and creating a ghost ship. Okay. Well, that's – see, with Tyree Kill moving, it – and before that, you had Stefan Diggs move in. The motif here seemed to be quarterbacks on a rookie contract. Yes. So if Cooper Cup was removed, we need a team that could really use the player, the inside-outside of the big slot-type player. We're talking rookie contract quarterbacks. Let me kind of just go through the, the, the rookie quarterbacks that currently are on teams. We're expecting potentially four guys coming in this season in the draft. So this could always change. But we've got the Pittsburgh Steelers. We've got the Philadelphia Eagles. We've got the Los Angeles Chargers, Jacksonville Jaguars, Chicago Bears. Potentially, I missed someone, but those are the quarterbacks I'm seeing here on rookie contract. Are any of those potential suitors for you, or do you want to throw a wild card out there? I mean, so it, you're right. It would have to be, yeah, it would be It would be tough for a lot of those teams. I think the wild card spot would be the Saints, dude, where – you had you just signed Derek Carr. You have Chris Olave on the outside. You're hopefully having Michael Thomas come back, but you just lost Jarvis Landry. Like, could you imagine they just go all in right now and say, "Hey, we're going to win this division right now"? Like, they if they traded for Cooper Cup, that team, the odds of them win that division would go through the roof. It already they already are the favorites now, right? Like after making the Derek Carr deal. So I mean, it is crazy prediction, but like, uh, you know, these things happen with the Tyreek Hill one. I was just digging through all the contracts and I realized that they asked him to restructure and he said, no, that's when I was like, okay, like this guy might've just set himself up to get, to get released or traded. And then that, that's where, that's where that prediction came from. This one is like looking at the the writing on a wall in a lot of these teams, they, they're kind of predicting the direction they're going a lot of times. Like the Cardinals have already pretty much told us that this is going to be a bridge year. Right. Like they are, they're going, everything's going that way. Kyler's going to miss the start of the year. So is Ertz. They're going to trade Hopkins. They're going to trade Hopkins and eat dead cap. Like they're going to eat it like 20 million dead cap, which is going to help them get a higher pick back. But that's exactly what you do when you don't expect to compete. So I'm a little worried about a lot of those guys. James, I mean, what are your thoughts on a guy like James Conner right now? So James Conner is a player who is a, a buy, a sell, and a hold all at the exact same time. <laughs> Truly, though. He really the, is. the range of outcomes for James Conner, we put up a clip on the channel this morning, actually, yeah. where in the thumbnail I put uh, value, replaced, 
or washed all in the same sentence because I know, James man. Conner could be getting him. He still looked like James Conner last year, enough in the tank to come in to be serviceable. But you've got a couple question marks. First off, Arizona, they're doing nothing so far in free agency. They're expected to move on from Hopkins and eat cap. They don't have Kyle Murray potentially half of the season. They have the worst odds in the entire NFL to win their division. So the True. offense in general might not be good for James Conner, even if he keeps the role. That being said, mm-hmm. his career splits when Kyle Murray is out have been phenomenal. They've absolutely just leaned on the guy. And especially if Hopkins is out of the door, he could just be good on volume, dump down passes, depending on the quarterback uh, and just rushing volume. He'd get anything they get in the red zone. He could be a value just from a volume perspective. He could also be replaced in the draft by a right. bunch of running backs with this class. I don't know if they go that way, just given the direction of the team. So James Conner for me, it is all about cost. When we're getting to here, run it past running back 30. I'm like, cool with it. We're around round 12 in this startup. I'm cool with it on James Conner. He's nothing to me more than a rental, a late second, early third rookie price for James Conner. Um, he's not a player I'm actively going in acquiring, but if he's part of a package deal and I get James Conner kind of tossed in there or you know him swap for a third in the deal as a sweetener for me, I'm cool with bringing him in because it could end up being a player who fills an RB2 spot or a flex need for me. But James Conner, I wouldn't be overly aggressive where I would say in a vacuum, He's a buy, but they, I have to recognize all of the legitimate concerns that, you know, surround James Conner. He's never, I mean, he's never played a full season in his entire career. So if you draft James Conner, you got to have viable guys, right? Like there's certain guys where you, you're putting all your eggs in this basket and if they get hurt, you're in huge trouble. James Conner, you almost have to sit here and be like, all right, I need somebody else that's going to play a couple games here because he's he's never even played every game but one. He's always missed at least a couple games, so uh, you got to kind of throw that in the bank. Now, one thing I do want to say with the Cardinals is that we've seen time and time again that when you have these bridgier teams, these these like ghost ships full of dead cap, which we know they're willing to have the dead cap, which means uh, like the for instance the uh, the Dolphins when they tanked for Tua. They had the least active spending and the most dead cap of any team. And what happened? They just threw it to whoever they had, which happened to be Preston Williams. And Preston Williams popped in a bunch of games. Like that's that's we we see that happen time and time again. When the Browns did this exact same thing, Terrell Pryor had a 1,000 yard season. When the Rams tanked to get Jared Goff, Kenny Britt had a 1,000 yard season. So whoever's left on this team. If they're going to do a bridge year and just kind of be like, all right, let's rest, let's get Ertz healthy and we'll trade Hopkins. Like if Marquise Brown is sitting there by himself, pff, God, I'm super interested in that for redraft, right? Like who, I don't care if they lose by a hundred, as long as they score 15, 16 points. And, oh yeah. Well, you know Hollywood, what I mean? Brown, Hollywood Brown is a player where every single week on this, every single Monday, I, I'm a broken record. I say, if you get to the sixth round and Marquise Brown is there, you probably just take him. I mean, him, is always there, but for me, he's right around that wide receiver 20, and I love taking him at that spot because I know for stretches mm-hmm. he can perform like a wide receiver one. Is he a true wide receiver one? No, but for fantasy, he can get there. And with this team, the offense might be bad. But as I said with James Conner for Hollywood Brown, if they have only those two guys and they're not going to spend money elsewhere, they, these it could just be the whole offense. It could be these two players. Yeah, and if I- they're healthy, they could be the only two names that matter for fantasy <laughs> And that's all we need. I mean, I would say the same thing in a vacuum for Trey McBride. We'll see what happens with Zach right. Ertz. But like those are two players too who could just be going undrafted and redraft. Or you're getting, you know, round 12 or later here, or it's more like round 20 of your Superflex startup drafts. 
and they could just end up being a guy you put in your lineup for significant chunks of the season next year. So oh, no if, question. I, I'm not going to completely avoid Arizona, but I'm just not right. too interested in any of the uh, the the low pieces. The Greg Dorch, a player I, I, I considered maybe kind of targeting, he could splash, but in lineup setting leagues, there's probably not else in Arizona I'm too excited with. Because even with Dorch, we saw it's a one-year extension. Like everything they're doing, is. everything they're doing is just kind of that one year, and they'll figure out again next year. I, I don't. I really don't care who it is if they're if they're tanking the way we think and just saying like whoever's playing full snap shares, which is Marquise Brown for sure, and he's entering the age apex. He's twenty five, going to be twenty six, I believe, this year. Like I, I've watched Keelan Cole put up hundred yard games on tanking teams. I watched Robert Foster have multiple 100-yard games on your bills, dude. Remember the Robert Foster when they had no one else? I like, like Foster, but yeah. Me too. But yeah, well, if they have no – the other thing is, if they have no one else, then I don't care who it is. That'd like, be, give me the guy. Give me the guy. Give me whatever's so left over. Let's, uh, let's shift this over to another team where you ask, what is left? The Carolina Panthers are a team yeah. who's going to have a rookie quarterback. We assume – that it could be C.J. Stroud. Maybe they go elsewhere, but they locked in the number one pick. Now they have pick 39 and pick 93 in this upcoming draft, so they still do have a second and third. They have two fourths as well. I wouldn't be surprised. Actually, I would anticipate them to take a wide receiver on day three. Potentially, they <laughs> take one of those later picks and trade for one of these veterans, too, if they're if 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 they're at that cost. I, I'm not sure that's going to happen. I know a lot of people might be talking, DeAndre Hopkins type, I'm not sure you do that the first year with the rookie. A lot of times year three seems to be when these teams target these big names or year two of a new coaching staff. So I would put DeAndre Hopkins more on the list for a team like the Giants. Yeah. But we're talking Carolina. What do you think of this wide receiver room? It's obviously the out of the grave moment for Terrace Marshall, Shai Smith, LaVisca, Chanel truthers. But what do you expect that room to look like and where the production will go? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what with Terrace Marshall. I'm still interested. I know he he was at LSU, didn't really produce, but I mean, you know who he was playing with, obviously. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, like no one is producing with those guys, right? So uh, they brought in Joe Brady and Joe Brady brought in Terrace Marshall. Joe Brady was the offensive coordinator. And then they fired Joe Brady halfway through the rookie year, his, his first year. And I look back and I'm like, maybe it should have been Matt Rule that was fired, right? Like, Maybe the disagreement between those two guys should have led to Matt Rule being fired and Joe Brady still being there. Now Joe Brady, of course, is the quarterback coach for your Bills, right? Is that where he's at now? Yeah, I think so. He's, I think he, he is with the Bills. I don't know what his role is. I think he might be QB coach, but like, it would have been nice to see him run his offense with Terrace Marshall in it. So I think Marshall is going to be a big part of it. Uh, and then it's going to be Chenault versus Shai Smith. Uh, but you make a, such a good point about the day three wide receiver. Whatever day three, because I, I hate day three wide receivers, and, and I just don't. I know it's fun to speculate, but the odds are not good of them hitting. But whatever day three wide receiver this team picks, I'm going to draft them in my dynasty league and trade them as soon as I can. Like the perfect pick and flip situation is, I mean, technically Preston Williams is on this roster, but Preston Williams he is on the roster. Uh, on the roster. We're talking, <laughs> talking truthers. There's a Preston Williams truther. He's on if someone's he, dynasty roster. If he comes back, dude, and I have to argue with people on Reddit again about Preston Williams, I might retire. Hey man, I'm, he's big. He's I might hang. Six four, man. Six four. I'm, ha- I'm hanging my keyboard up, dude, if he comes back. I mean, he could play split end for this team, like no joke, but yeah. um, I, I can't have it. I can't have it happen. But I will say, like, that's the perfect situation because Preston Williams is a guy, they're like, we're trying to lose. So why are we going to draft a wide receiver? We'll bring in Preston Williams. 
He'll be, you know, we'll throw it to him, whatever. He's super inefficient. Doesn't matter. He popped a little bit. You could have traded him for a second round pick at a certain point. Whatever, whatever late round guy this team brings in, I'm going to draft him once all the guys I like are gone. And then the moment he does anything, I'm going to trade him. That's my plan. Though. He'll pick and or, flip. The Panthers pick and flip. That's If it's not a rookie, or maybe it's a day three guy, and it is a rookie, put a post-it note right now that whatever wide receiver in this Carolina room next year comes out and gets 100-plus targets or 1,000 yards, you need to make note to sell them going into 2024. I mean, we loved Darnell Mooney with Chicago, and we we thought, hey, round five, this is a dream. Maybe we're getting a Diggs Hill. Like, obviously not to the extent of those players, but people are dreaming. Offseason is when you're convincing yourself of how everyone on your team is going to be an absolute star in the league. And do not make that mistake, because I will say I held on to Darnell Mooney or drafted him like seventh, eighth, ninth round of a couple drafts last year. And he could vary just like this. Be replaced with one injury, the team goes in a different direction, and his value absolutely tanks. Is he a fine player? Sure. Could whoever performs for Carolina next year be a fine player? Sure. But are they going to be growing on that 100-plus targets, that 1,000 yards? Probably not, because everyone Coop mentioned with those last few teams, you can have a 1,000-yard season. That is the peak of your career right there, yep. even if it's your second, first, third year, 10th year in the NFL. So just remember this. Like like Tyler said, remember this. When somebody offers you LaVisca Chenault in a trade, just message him back and be like, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing, and I don't like it. <laughs> Terrence Marshall, I'm still interested in. I don't, I don't know about you. I'm still, I'm still interested in in giving him a shot, just because I think even if they bring in one more guy, that evaporates the. Do you have any interest in Shai Smith at all? No. Yeah, me neither. Okay, so that evaporates the whole Lavisca Schnall, Shai Smith, everybody. But I think Terrence Marshall, they need two pass catchers to come in, right? Because I'm not interested at all in Tommy Tremble or Ian Thomas or any of those guys. Like, unfortunately. In, in the least bit. I mean, Tremble, Tremble more than Thomas because Thomas blocked on one of every four pass plays last year. So he, Thomas is dust. As, but, as the leader of the Tommy Tremble fan club, I'm, I'm out. Oh, it's such a great name too, dude. Right? Too good. Too, too good. good, man. You got That's Johnny problem. Smith, man. You got Johnny Smith. It sucks. He, he he could end up being like a hybrid. He always, prof- to me, the, per- the, the comp I had for him was Ethan Carter, like a hybrid fullback type dude. Um, but... I mean, hey, if he's going to pop, it'd be here. If he's going to pop, it'd be this year when they got nobody. So we'll see. So window all around for me. I mean, Terrace Marshall, if somebody's giving you 210, 211, 212, 301, freaking I'm out, man. Done. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm cashing right out there. You're making, right. you're you're losing like seven picks three years later from the 205. You took them away back. But I, I'm cool with that. That's awesome. I thought Terrace Marshall was going to be a nothing for me moving forward. Uh, I, I don't necessarily believe in Terrace Marshall is a nah. player where he, yes, he played third fiddle. He had an incomplete production profile, and that's why we how we tried to justify it. He was never fantastic in any single athletic measurement as well. He just kind of was like middle. He was above average in it, pretty good at a bunch of stuff, not great at anything. We thought he could get out there on the field right away as a rookie with the team that drafted him. It didn't pan out. That's not the type of player I am yeah. really interested on in giving a second shot here. So me personally, this is a sailout for me on Terrace Marshall. If he, if he sweetens any package... Hell yeah. yeah. And he backdoored his way into the whole situation, right? Because like Matt Rule brought in like dudes he was coaching at Temple, like Ro- like chosen. I almost said Robbie Anderson, chosen Anderson, right? He brought in dudes he's coaching at Temple. Uh, and then now, you know, that guy obviously flamed his way out of multiple teams now with his attitude. And DJ Moore has been traded. So he basically just backdoored his way into the position he's in now. Like if you can cash out based on that, 
genius, bro. The guy's one touchdown over two years. Um, you know, only 45 catches in two seasons. I don't know, man. He's had every opportunity. Last year, his snaps, like people, I don't think people realize this guy was playing every snap, right? Like he played this this is how he finished the year. Uh these are his last five games. 85%, not 89%, 93%, 88%, 93%. In those five games, he never got more than three targets. Like talk about all exercise team, right? You got you if you're playing 93% of the snaps, you gotta get you have to have more than two catches, man. Come on. 100 percent Now right. I'm gonna ask, I got three questions before we're gonna get out of here. So I, I want to stay on topic. The first one, we're not gonna talk about any running backs in particular, but we don't see any of them flying off here on the first day of legal tampering. When do you usually see them start to fall into teams? Is it they like to spend their money first or what do you think about these running backs? So it, it, uh, it, every class, every group, you have a shoe drops contract that once that one goes, the other one goes and then the rest go. So like, let's take defensive line because they came out and Javon Hargrave signed his contract, right? Four years, 84 million. Very shortly after Deron Payne knew exactly what he needed to get to stay. Right. Like they looked, he said, Hey, Jerome Payne probably said, Hey, I just need to get paid a little more than this guy because I'm a little bit better than this guy. And there you go. Deron Payne back to Washington, four years, 90 million. Once one of these guys goes, we're going to get the rest of them. And that's going to go for a lot of positions. I don't even know who the top guy is right now for wide receivers. And I think that's the problem. They don't either. Right. Like you got an undrafted Jacoby Myers, you have a uh, Alan Lazard who is just kind of a very strange player in terms of he, you know, he plays like 50 snaps a year at inline, you know, he, to say the least as well. Does inefficient, very six, five, just not typical. And then you got Juju who is, he is what he is, you know, coming off a prove it deal. So it's like, I think these guys are kind of looking around and saying, Hey, who's going to sign first so that we can figure out what the market is. Same with running back. Like David Montgomery, I think once Josh Jacobs and uh, and Saquon got tagged, I think David Montgomery became the top dog, right? Like we're looking at it. He's probably the best free agent or is there somebody else that you like better? Um, Yeah, just given his age, he, he would be for me because I think he'd be ahead of Singletary. I mean, and then after that, we just have the Kareem Hunt, Damian Harris or wait on the pecking order. Maybe a Jamal Williams uh, would yeah. be a priority ad as well for a team who's looking for that red zone guy. I think ultimately he's a huge part of what Detroit right. built last year. So I expect him to go back. So yeah, I would agree. Dave Montgomery is probably the one we're waiting on. A keeper moving here, two wide receivers that you didn't mention. I want you to give me a, if either one has any hope to sign somewhere nice, I'm going to give you a McCall Hardman or Paris Campbell. Yeah, so Paris Campbell, or so McCole Hardman, I think at this point is probably going to be end up being a field stretcher because he's got the speed. Uh, ideally, he's going to be a full time guy if possible, but he's probably going to be like the fourth guy in, like a KJ Hamler type guy where you, you know, Anthony Schwartz type player where you say, hey, we got to take the top off. Let's go four wide, get McCole out there and send him deep, you know, like difficult for consistency to have a guy like that. Uh, but that, you know, if he can't, I always look at it with the guys like Marquez Valdez Scanling. If he's not going to be great with Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, when is he going to be great? So if Michael Hardman isn't going to be great with Patrick Mahomes, when is he going to be great? And it's not like they had a like talent overflowing. So I, I worry about Hardman. Um, it is a shame in that situation. Paris Campbell's a guy I do like. 
uh, battled injury, uh, Ohio State guy that that actually went ahead of Terry McLaurin at Ohio State when he was drafted. He's battled injury a bit, and he did play slot and flanker last year. He was playing over uh, Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce was the guy coming out, but he played like 700 snaps in the slot, only 200 out wide. I think at the end of the day, he's going to be a slot guy. The ideal landing spot I have for him, Cleveland Browns. He's Ohio State guy. Fans would love him immediately. They have Amari Cooper on the outside. They have David Njoku to play split end. Donovan Peoples-Jones, it isn't like he's not a total game changer for me. He's a guy that I could see Paris Campbell coming in and being a focal point out of the slot and even being a guy they keep out there in two wide receiver sets with Donovan Peoples-Jones being the guy that comes off the bench. And then Anthony Schwartz being the fourth wide receiver for four wide that comes out to, you know, just run really fast. So Paris Campbell to Cleveland Browns is something that I think uh, okay. would make a lot of people happy. I mean, like the the uh, contingency of Ohio State, <laughs> Cleveland overlapping fans would immediately love that move, right? I, I love that. That's a really good spot. Rest in peace, David Bell. Um, I do. Yeah, I that, do that would be the, with, it would uh, be the end of David Bell. It would be the end of David Bell. Do you want to say with Alec Pierce, a player like him to keep your eye to come on and be that kind of flanker for teams? Uh, Andre Iasovas, I believe is how you say out of Princeton, just a guy to we like to plug late flyers in your rookie drafts, a guy to keep an eye on. Yeah. Do you uh, like Alec and, Pierce at all? Well, similar with uh, Andre there from Princeton, I think he's he doesn't offer me a lot for Dynasty. Like he's not the type of player I think is ever going to be a huge impact. But he's going to have splash plays for sure. I mean, yeah. it's not unless he puts together a stretch of consistency. I'm just never going to be in. Um, he's a good, good size, good athlete. Hopefully, he can keep a role with the team. I do think the Colts will come out if they do lose Paris Campbell. That slot is wide open. That's just one thing I did want to mention. The last thing we're going to talk about here. Whoa! What do you mean, last thing? Why don't you just skip your eight o'clock and we'll talk all night? There you go. Last <laughs> thing, man. We got. I'm, I'm going to end you with a, a heavy hitter here. All right, hit me. We got Jimmy Garoppolo. We didn't talk about it. Coming to Vegas. Um, this is a very interesting move. A while back, I think we mentioned we were talking about Derek Carr and how it'd be very interesting if they went from Derek Carr to pretty Derek Carr. Yes. Uh, what this means for the team. Talk your initial thoughts, your immediate reaction to this signing, what it means for guys like Devontae Adams, namely, or maybe Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller because we know Jimmy G loves his short options. Yeah, I'll tell you, huge. I think I personally think this is the best case scenario for Devontae Adams because he was the best remaining free agent. They weren't going to trade for Aaron Rodgers, as fun as that was to talk about. And Devontae Adams honestly left. Uh, he left Green Bay because he cares about his own legacy and he wants to play for a long time. So Devontae Adams is a guy I'm buying in Dynasty just based on those comments. Like he he came out and was like Aaron Rodgers. I know he only wants to play for a couple more years. I'm playing for a long time. Like I think he thinks that he can be the next. Uh, you know, Jerry Rice. I mean, like, again, there's multiple guys who had their best season at age 31. Brandon Marshall, Marvin Marvin Harrison, uh, Randy, uh, Randy Moss, Wes Welker, like tons of these guys. So it's not crazy for that to happen. Um, and I think that this is great for him because Jacoby Brissett coming in was a very real possibility. Was it not to be the starting quarterback for this team? Like if yeah. if if. Uh, if everything didn't work out, it was that, or maybe they sit on the clock and a Will Levis falls to them, which I, they could still do yeah. with Jimmy G. I, I, I'm not sure if they do, but it was always right. in the realm of possibilities. Right now, I think Jimmy G can support Devonte Adams. I think that there's a problem with a huge problem now with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. 
when it was just Waller and Renfro, Waller in so the game that the year that Renfro was a top 10 wide receiver, he was wide receiver four in the games that Darren Waller missed. In the games where Darren Waller was playing, he was wide receiver 24. So kind of tells you how Hunter Renfro got to wide receiver 10. It was because Darren Waller got hurt. Right. It was circumstantial. Right. Darren Waller is only Darren Waller because Antonio Brown uh, froze his feet off and called the GM a cracker over a helmet dispute. Right. Like that's how Darren Waller became Darren Waller. When the guy, you know, Antonio Brown got kicked off the team. Henry Ruggs went to jail. That's how we got Darren Waller, you know. So, um, like, now that it's crowded and you have Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, I'm selling Hunter Renfro for anything I can. If Darren Waller were to get traded or Hunter Renfro were to get traded, the other guy would be back on the menu for me. But for the time being, if we don't know who's going to get more targets out of Waller or Renfro, at least I can start Waller at tight end. Right. Like if they if they get an equal number of targets, at least Darren Waller is a guy that I can start at the scarce position. So for me, if I have to pick, I don't think Jimmy G is going to support three guys. So I have to have one odd man out. It's going to be Renfro for me. Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't expect any of those those guys get moved, even though I would be dreaming for a Darren Waller to have ended up in a place like Miami for some reason, if we could have made that work. But Darren Waller getting married this last week to star best player here over on the aces uh kelsey plum probably solidifies he's not probably pushing for a move hunter renfro's the slot machine dude is on every uh bank commercial out here in vegas so i i don't think he's they're eagerly looking to get rid of him when both are fine players but for fantasy i would agree it's tough to have confidence in either i think Devontae Adams is just fine the dude has survived everywhere he has been the player i left off my question for you because i wanted to steal it was josh jacobs what this means for josh jacobs coming back and you look back in rushing yards per game uh rushing rushing attempts per game and rushing touchdown percentage star the, the three years that jimmy g played double digit game started double digit games his team was top 10 in all three of those categories in the nfl Oof. the only miss was i think it was rushing yards it was yards per game this last year with san fran but there were reasons for that jimmy also only played you know 12 games or whatever but that's I, so I want to say for Josh Jacobs, I think this is huge. With the team, it's going to be get it to Devontae Adams or run the freaking ball. Whether they're in flux, I don't know how many games they're going to win. I think Josh Jacobs, especially on his current deal with it just being franchise tags, this is huge for him. I'm I'm running back to him in redraft. Dynasty is a completely different conversation. How you were on the Dynasty channel, we had a video. You can find the clip, go on our channel, search Josh Jacobs, or go on our clip catalog, which is I went back every single clip we've put up in 2023. I'm in a sheet, which you can find in our Discord. It's amazing. I put dude. every single player and hyperlinked every single clip on them. So go find our last Josh Jacobs clip. It can fit here our full take on Josh Jacobs. How, how, I was scrolling through that. How long did that take you, dude? How long did that take you? It took me a good amount of time. It's I'll say, I, that is a, such an impressive and awesome library. If people haven't gone through there and just click, at least go in there and click on a couple of things, or just look at how impressive it is, honestly. like but it, That is cool, man. Good job with that. Yeah, we got like 175 players we've clipped uh, up in, in, so far in 2023. So it's it's a really nice place to go. And yeah, it took a, a long time. It was an idea I had for a while. Uh useful to hope that people like it but that's my spiel on josh jacobs i think he is a uh i think he is a, a really interesting play for for redraft because in best ball drafts on underdog which if you're not on underdog and you love drafting this is the place to go you go to underdog you draft a million teams and they auto submit your best lineup every single week sunday morning you wake up and there's you know you have 40 lineups it's just way too much it's overwhelming 
basketball. What if I'm not? What if I'm not on Underdog? Do you have a promo code? No, if you're I not use? on Underdog, I mean, first time users, first time depositors, you can use code JWB to get up to $100 deposit match. Again, first time on Underdog.com. That will be linked below. And on there, I mean, Josh Jacobs is sliding. He's round three or later. And I know running backs this time of year go a little lower, but it's it's a player that yeah. I'm surprisingly more into than I thought I would be a year or two ago. Yeah. How about that promo code alley? Does it get better? Do you get a better guess than that? Uh, you, you, you knew right where I was going. You're, you're an absolute <laughs> pro. And that being uh, said, man, you get another to, one, yeah, there we go. I was glad to have yeah. the pro in here to join us. Andrew Cooper. Again, you can find everything for him on fantasy alarm the daily articles he's got coming out he's on the better network 7 a.m every single day hopefully i didn't steal your thunder you got anything else you want to plug for us Coop, before we get out of here yeah man that's uh, all my articles live over on fantasy alarm i am the off season right now over there you know the off season tracker every single article i've written every one you know howard's howard bender and the gang they're amazing analysts john and pemba but they're looking at basketball they're looking at baseball right now not me dude never stops for me so over there Football, my writing's on Fantasy Alarm, my uh, and then my show is on either Front Yard Fantasy YouTube channel or download the Better Sports app every morning, 7 to 10 a.m. We talk a lot of ball, and we also play a lot of stupid games. I know Toronto Dave hangs out there. A bunch of the guys, uh, you know, they pop in. Uh, we play, like, fun trivia games. We play, like, stupid hypothetical games. It's a lot of fun, man. So, so pop in and hang out over there. It's a good time. All right. Love it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, honestly, go check it out. I love those game shows. It's a, it's a different niche. It's a fun yes. little time, a little less serious. As sometimes we take fantasy football a little too serious. So please right. go ch- go check them out. Uh, we love you, Coop. We really do appreciate you coming on here. You can find all things JWB at JWB underscore FF on Twitter. I'm at the FF Buffalo. Go check out our website. Get in the Discord below. We're talking all day. We have daily mocks going. Before we leave, remember, tell someone you love them. See you guys.